America's Voice. Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Let's Talk Adoption, Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell. I'm looking forward to spending time with you today. Here at Let's Talk Adoption, we invite you to share and contribute as a birth parent, adopt a parent, adoption professional, or adoptee with your thoughts and questions. If you have any questions at all or comments about our, our show, and if you'd like to suggest some upcoming shows, please email us at letstalkadoption.com. Today our guest is Chris Winston. Chris is a chairperson for KAAN, which is Korean American Adoptee Adoptive Family Network. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. Tell me, how did you become the voice for this Korean adoption community that you started? Um, actually, I have two Korean-born children, mm-hmm. and um, they're now 17 and 20 years old. But um, when my children came home a few years ago, uh, we were really lacking in post-placement services. And so in an effort to meet the needs of our family, um, we found ourselves joining with other families and that began as a local effort in an organization called Friends of Korea, and then Friends of Korea hosted a leadership conference where we brought uh, people from other support groups in different parts of the U.S., and we founded the Korean American Adoptee Adoptive Family Network with the help of the Korean Consulate in San Francisco, and this has become a life path that I didn't expect. Um, I was pretty naive in adopting my children, uh, feeling that if I loved them and Race didn't matter to me that, you know, we could have a healthy life together. But it turned out that a lot more was required, and um, I actually feel um, very blessed to have had this experience. It's enriched my life, even though it wasn't one that I expected to have. Yeah. What, uh, I know uh, Kane, uh, K-A-N, does not take a position on adoption. Um, it's more of a form for the individual voice of adoption community. Um, so you do that through, you have, a, you have a, a conference you have, and you have support. Um, and those things that you mentioned before, too. Do you have a website that we can share also at this time? We do, and there's actually two. The first one is www.connet, that's K-A-A-N-E-T, dot com, and the second one is specifically about our conference, and that's www.conconference.com. Okay, conference.com. Okay, and if anybody missed any of those, they can always email us, too. You know, let's get to some of the facts on here, too. Um, in your estimate, how many children were adopted from Korea after the war? Okay, um, it's actually a little bit of a hard estimate. Um, when we had our first Kong conference in Los Angeles in 1999, we had uh, Mr. Hosep Gill come from Korea, and he's the director of child health and welfare at the Ministry of Health and Welfare. At least he was at that time. And because... Each child adopted from Korea has an exit visa issued by the Korean government. He was able to give us some figures. And what he stated was that over the entire history, a total of 197,000 children have been adopted um, outside of Korea. And of that number, he said 92,355 had been adopted by the families of the United States. 
and didn't now this didn't include some children who were adopted immediately after the war by U.S. servicemen. I mean, they were just kind of brought home with them, so they're outside of the figures. And also, since '99, there's been an additional 2,000 a year, so over six years, another 12,000. So, by any account, a conservative estimate would be 100,000. And right. some people have said that there are actually more missing from that estimate. It might be as high as 140,000. So, it's a very significant number, and it's yes. it's in fact 10 percent of all Korean immigration to the U.S. And what you're doing is you don't do placement, but you organize your organization assists in post-placement services, right, as That's far as right. helping afterwards um, and after a child comes back here. Um, are the post-placement services different depending on the age of the adopted child? Certainly they are. Um, and, and, in fact, we go beyond adopted child. Um, as, as my life goes on, I'm realizing and letting my children go and become adults that there are issues at that stage for both the parents and the children. And, and knowing 40- and 50-year-old adoptees, I know that adoption is still a part of their life. So, our, you know, we're talking about something that can happen immediately post-placement, like families who are needing a support group or just, just those beginning stages of what do you do when you have a baby mm-hmm. through the elementary years where they really need to be able to answer their children's questions about birth families. They want expanded Korean cultural connections. They need to know, uh, have a better understanding of how to help their children handle racism they might be experiencing. Mm-hmm. And then we go up through the teen years where children are strongly you know, individuating and forming their identities. And at that stage... Um, the children really need Korean relationships more than cultural events. Yeah. And um, and families who have not formed connections might have some struggle uh, becoming connected to each other. So Khan does have a focus on uh, the families with the older children um, in teens and young adult adoptees. How can you remain in touch with, with their ethnicity, their background, their Korean background? What do you do for a family? Give me an example of what you've done. Okay. Um, well, actually, our adventure and, and really knowing that this was needed began when my son was in second grade. And the school, in, in trying to be helpful, actually, was having a multicultural day. But the teacher, not having much training, used a Disney um, uh, book that had a lot of different songs about different countries, you know, kind of on the It's a Small World kind right. of theme. And they were singing um, that song from Lady in the Tramp, We Are Siamese, If You Please. Oh, no. That was how they were representing Asia. And my son, they were singing this in, in music class, and my son was getting very upset because the other children were then putting their hands up under their chins and bowing to him. And so um, at that time, I thought, you know, we just needed to intervene and, and help the school understand. And I found a Japanese-American friend who went and talked to them and explained that, you know, a country of Siam really didn't exist. It was called Kat Thailand. And she asked them if people in Thailand would feel comfortable singing this song. And, and I mean, they did get the point and allowed her actually to teach the kids an actual um, Japanese song to represent Asia. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't realize at the time that, you know, they were actually doing the whole world. And so when we went to the Multicultural Day, um, Asia was probably the only continent that wasn't insulted. And um, we, you know, I'm I'm making a shortened version of this. We had to fight a little harder than that to be heard. But at the end, what she said to me was, um, Chris, it's been fun fighting this with you, but eliminating racism in El Dorado County is a daunting task. 
And if you're smart, you'll give your children some armor. They need to know Koreans and Korean Americans. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, when I began to make connections. And uh, later in, in middle school, I think I saw some fruits of that. Um, it was again in school, and my son had a science teacher, and they were, um, it, it was, they were studying ocean life or something and seaweed. And this teacher brought in a sheet of, of what you wrap sushi in. Koreans called that kim. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he just had a sheet of this. And he said, in Japan, people eat this. And so we let the kids, you know, tear off a piece. And mm-hmm. they put it in their mouths and they said, ooh, and spit it in the garbage. And, of course, I was very upset that by middle school, my son was not wanting me to intervene at the school. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was sitting there in, in frustration, and then I heard what he said to me. He said, Mom, you know, if he'd given them raw potatoes, they would have spit that out, too. You've got to put oil and salt on that. Mm-hmm. And I realized that was the armor. He still had the negative experience, and there, we still maybe had to find ways to deal with it, but he knows how Koreans eat kim. Mm-hmm. And he knows that it's the um, lack of knowledge on the part of his teacher mm-hmm. that uh, was at fault because, of course, people wouldn't eat raw potatoes either. And I think that's the kind of armor that we give our kids when we explore, uh, expose them to their cultural heritage. Well, you've mentioned, too, about you know, um, prejudice and, and helping the children, too, and I'm sure there's many people listening that have um, adopted children from other countries that have felt like this too. Are there any short tips that you can give to them on what you've done to help with that? Well, I think I believe in support groups. I think they're really important. Walking this path with others who've shared your path are really important. And no matter where you are, um, you can build support groups and connect with other people. And, and, of course, that's what CON does facilitate. And a lot of times we get emails from people, you know, I live in Georgia. I'd like to meet some other adults at Opti's. And we put that in the newsletter, and, that, and then people begin to form uh, groups. I mean, it does take effort on people's parts. But, of course, if you live somewhere, if you live in Minnesota and there's some nice groups there already, that might be a good decision in the first place as to where you want to live. Um, but but if you're even if you're somewhere where those groups don't exist, I think you, you have to build them. Well, there's an email list too. Are there any that you can recommend that would would help um, provide some more support to adopt families or even adoptees? Um, if you go onto the Yahoo groups, right. just go to the Yahoo website. Mm-hmm. There's 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 support groups on pretty much anything, and there certainly are on intercountry adoption. If you ser- do a search, it's probably family and adoption. Mm-hmm. Intercountry adoption, yeah, the adoption is a whole bunch, and it'll be from almost every country. There's a support group, yeah. That's, that's right. Good. Now, three that are very long term and, and kind of well known. If you're an adult adoptee, there's it's funny symbol K and W Roots, and that really is for adult adoptees only. But they allow adoptive parents to um, sign up for it. And if you're wise, you won't respond and say something silly. You'll just listen and, and kind of get an insight into what the experiences of adult adoptees are. It's K and W roots. Okay. Right. And then um, for adoptive families, um, there's two. Adopt Korea is pretty old, and uh, that that's pretty good for big families whose children have just arrived, if you want to share with other families who are waiting and, and things Adopt like Korea, that. right? Right. And then the other one is called IAT, which is International Adopt Talk. And that's for families a little bit longer in the process. And 
adult adoptees do talk with them there and, and share their experiences. So those three are probably really good, but I think, you know, there there's just so many, I, and I know that I'm on most of them so that I can find out what pe- different people are talking That's about. That's really good, too. And as far as your newsletter, people can sign up for that at your um, website also? That's right. Okay, and so we'll give you the website earlier, and we'll give it later in the program, too. Right. Um, you know, there's there are a lot of people that that have questions, and, you know, it just it's going through and trying to, to learn where to go to get the right answers, and I know there's some really good books also um, right. on um, Korean adoptions and... Um, any suggestions you have had found yourself personally? Well, we're going to talk about racism. Um, I did think of, of oh, yeah. two, two that are older. Um, one is, they're both by Marie G. Lee. Mm-hmm. One is called Finding My Voice. Mm-hmm. And the other one is If It Hadn't Been for Yunjin. That was written a long time ago, so it's kind of... She's not an adoptee. She's a Korean-American, and so you might see some elements of, of that in the book, but still, it's, it's really pretty good. It talks about, you know, the needs for connection to each other. So there's different books related to, you know, ethnic heritage issues. And then far as adoption itself, um, probably the a preeminent book I'd recommend everyone read before their child comes home is Are Those Kids Yours? Mm-hmm. And that's by Sherry Register. Okay. That's good. Okay, well, there is our little sign that we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have more questions and answers for you, Chris. So don't touch that mouse. Be right back with Chris right after this short message. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. This is Dr. Peter Tomes. I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. Today, more and more student-athletes are bypassing college and heading straight to the pros. Matt Bush, Freddie Adu, LeBron James. Discuss the benefits and pitfalls of going pro on the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks provides straightforward, no-nonsense talk about the current and sometimes controversial topics facing student-athletes and their parents today. Agents want to make money. Schools want the publicity. The Sport Mavericks wants what's best for you. So whether you or your child is thinking about bypassing college or looking for the best university to showcase their talents, listen to the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks, smart talk for parents and athletes. This is Pastor Ralph Martino, host of Committed to the Cause of Christ on VoiceAmerica.com. I am America's Voice. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. 
The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, it's Sky and Denny. Come be a fly on the wall every Thursday at 1 p.m. And you're a guest at Sky and Denny's Cocktail Hour. Hop in to meet the inner circle of business experts, self-help advisors, celebrities, and other fascinating guests as they share their secrets for personal, business, and financial success. Our inside tips will help you be more successful in starting or running a business. So please join us for the Cocktail Hour every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Internet Leader in Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty. Well, welcome back. And today we're speaking with chairperson Chris Weston about uh, KAAN. And, you know, Chris, before we left, we were talking a little bit about there's so much to share about the Korean adoptions and, and where it's going now. You actually have a conference coming up. Um, can you share with us where that conference is going to be and how we can find out more about that? Right. Um, it's going to be our seventh annual and national conference, and it's going to be held this a year at the Weston Southfield, Detroit, Michigan. And um, we're really excited. Planning is going on already. And so actually, if anyone has good ideas for workshops, uh, we need proposals um, by October 1st. Just email to us at connet at AOL.com. And um, we're excited. What are the dates of that conference? Too? Okay, it's going to be held uh, July 22nd through 24th. It's uh, three days. We start on Friday afternoon, go all the uh, Saturday and uh, Sunday um, morning time. And we have so many different programs. It's, it's amazing. We have programs for parents of younger children. We have uh, programs for parents of adult adoptees. We have programs for adult adoptees only. That's because we respect their space and their need sometimes to talk just to each other. Um, we have programs for children in elementary age. Um, we have programs for teens, middle and high school. And we have an, had a new program last year for young adult adoptees who are college age, um, 18 through 22. And each of these is focused um we invite Korean Americans to come and be part of us, and so we have uh, programs for them. And these are interactive. We don't, you know, if it, it, it might be a chance for Korean American sensitivities to be raised unto what, how to support the adoption community. Uh, it might be a chance for adoptive parents. We had the top ten questions you want to know from adult adoptees. Um, uh, that that's a chance for. Uh, adoptive parents to be able to stand more in the shoes of the adoptees, and um, and so there's just a variety of different things happening, and we're trying to meet the needs of such a, a wide variety of people that make up our adoption community, and that's why Con Conference is really unique. It's not you know a, an adoptive parent conference or an adult adoptee conference. It's the one time when we all try to stand in the same space together and be respectful of each other and and learn from each other, and uh, 
and all of us have so much to learn that would be uh, very helpful for anybody to go to. And I'm going to share with anybody that anybody that is writing or that is a writer or would like to be a writer, many times your local newspaper will take an article you've written um, about the conference. So if you do travel there, many times you can write the trip off, and that can be uh, actually something you can talk to you know, your tax advisor. But if you're writing an article about the conference and then bring it back to your hometown and submit that, many times you can write that trip off so that you can actually offset that expense of going to the conference. And I think that's really important for people to know, too. Oh, what a wonderful and, um, idea. And that way they can kind of, because it is Michigan, you live in California or Texas, you might want to go ahead and attend, but be able to write an article and uh, use it as a, um, an expense that way and uh, write an article, keep a clip of that with your taxes so that you can write off that trip um, as an experience and also share that with your community. Bring back to your community information about the Korean Adoption Conference and, and educate people in your own community. And by doing that, then we're sharing with more and more people that can attend the conference. So I think that's important, too. That's absolutely wonderful. Well, good. And <laughs> Thank you. No problem. And tell me what else we can do to share with adoption agencies and, and other professionals that assist in post-placement services. Well, you know, we were able to um, attend the fourth uh, international um, forum that was sponsored by Holt in, in the year 2001. And um, it, it was wonderful because it was just on to listen to us about post-placement service needs. And and so for both adoption professionals here and even in Korea, um, the first step we had to do was to define post-placement services. It's, it's really interesting that people have different ideas about what those are. And so CON uh, defines them broadly as any service offered to an adoptee or adoptive family because of issues or needs arising from the adoption. So we're not just talking about those uh, services after post-placement to finalize the adoption, but an awareness of the attachment needs of the child long-term, connections to other adoption community members, Korean cultural connections. And, and so what we need support from agency professionals is when they have clients entering their system is to connect them to support groups and especially to CON. Sometimes they're so busy in their primary focus of, of working with and helping in the placement of children that that they can't have a primary focus on post-placement services. It may not, there may even be some conflict in, in, of interest for them to do so. And so the adoption community does need to take ownership of our post-placement needs working with the agencies, but we really appreciate their referral to the support groups that they know are around them. And, uh, go ahead. Uh, and, and, and telling people about the CON conference and sending representatives of their agency to the CON conference. We do have some agencies that have been particularly supportive in doing that. Um, Spence Chapin in, uh, on the East Coast and um, Children's Home Society of Minnesota, they've changed their name now, but um, have, have been really good about um, uh, connecting with and, and facilitating those places. That's something, too, I think adoption agencies can put in their final packet on what they give to families after their post-placement is just some information on resources, too, that they can add in there, which isn't a lot of effort on their part other than an 8.5 by 11 piece of paper with uh, you know some information on resources that families can, when they settle down, the dust settles at home, and they finally take a deep breath of their baby and their child in their arms, that they can go ahead and say, oh, here are some support groups I can attend or I can work. Because a lot of times issues don't come up until later on. Um, you're so excited about the whole placement of the adoption, 
and all the paperwork and getting back, and then all of a sudden you realize that this goes beyond just your needs and the child has needs, and this is when it's a good time to get into a support group if you haven't so far beforehand. Um, I know we recommend people get involved with support groups prior to placement um, if they can, but afterwards I think it's real crucial, don't you? Oh, it absolutely is. And, and actually, when you, when you talk a little bit about prior, um, one thing that Khan really likes to encourage is families to travel to Korea themselves to pick up their child. Mm-hmm. The children um, uh, escorting service is available, and for some families that may be the only way that you know they can go. But um, really encourage people to think beyond that because that's the first chance you as an adoptive parent have to experience being a minority in, in a country where everyone does look like you and um, and so that's one thing um, it, uh, we have been pushing for that and we do see more adoption agencies encouraging parents to do that that has been a change because when I adopted my children I had to fight for that really? Um, I, I really had to fight for that they were afraid you know who's going to help you you're being a strange country how are you going to manage that and um, now the support exists for families to travel and pick up their children. And it's a real change that I see since the time that we adopted our kids. And your children are older, but even during the 50s and 60s, um, you know, there are a lot of adoptive parents, a lot of adoptions going on. Were, were we prepared for the, the, um, this experience? Was it, um, you know, bringing a child that, that didn't look like us into our, into our um, communities? Um, this has changed quite a bit, and like you mentioned, this is going to help people too. But what else can we do um, to, to help um, in our community? One or two little tips that people can do just to help in our community. Well, I think just being part of the broader Asian-American community is important. Um, here in Sacramento, where I live, I've become involved with uh, CAPITAL, which is Council of Asian Pacific Islanders, Together for Advocacy and Leadership. Mm-hmm. And going there and hearing adult Asian Americans talk about um, their life experiences and them coming together. Um, if, if there's any article or if some somebody mentions something on TV or radio here that's negative, they're now organized and they... Um, will uh, correct them. <laughs> they will, and they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll begin an educational um, <laughs> a forum. And being connected to that, like from our newsletter, we can send out that information, and we can be interactive with them. So I think you become a part of the community. It's not only about culture camp or those kind of kind of things that families can participate in, but it's about really becoming an Asian American family. And, and I'm going to the Korean American Coalition Conference, in, uh, National Conference in Washington, D.C. Uh, this weekend mm-hmm. because I'm on the board of the Korean American Coalition here in Sacramento. And I just, I just really encourage, um, I know in Michigan where the conference is going to be held next year, um, Dr. Suk Wilkinson um, is the president of an organization called CAPA, um, which is uh, Council of Asian Pacific. I don't remember the exact acronym, but anyway, uh, Jen Hilsinger, who's the adoptive parent facilitating the conference there uh, next summer, has has joined their board as they've gotten involved with the conference, and we're working closely with that Asian American organization. So that's what I think. You really need Asian American friends. I didn't have any Korean friends prior to adopting my children. I walked into a dry cleaners and introduced myself <laughs> because 90% of the dry cleaners here are run by Korean-Americans. How were you accepted? Well, tell me what happened. 
that was that was challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, we were adopting. Our son was nearly six when he came, mm-hmm. and I knew it wasn't like a baby where I could let it slide by. Mm-hmm. I knew that I'm going to have to have help, and I walked in there and I asked for her help. And actually, at first, she refused. And what she said was she'd helped another family who adopted a little girl, and this is ironic, from my son's same orphanage. And all they wanted her to do was transition that child. And they got upset that she was giving the child kimchi too long or that the child was becoming attached to her, and she didn't want to go through that again. Uh, what's the first? And that's, well, at least she gave another try. When we come back, I want to hear the end of that story. Okay. We're going to take a real quick break right now. And then we come back, Chris Winston will be sharing more with AAN. I will continue to share more about Korean Adoption's experience and about her own conference coming up. The way you make me feel inside and I like The way you love me just can't hide in what I like you for Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. My name is Karen Green, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You like movies, don't you? Yes! 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 Okay, we get the point. You really like movies. I wonder where a guy in everyday Joe like myself can find a little action. Feed your movie-going habit by listening to Movie Talk every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time with moviegoer and film critic extraordinaire Albert Montoya, exclusively on Voice America. Unfortunately, no, it requires something with a little more kick. Movie Talk is your weekly ticket into the exciting world of film. Check Albert out live every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com My name is Pastor Ralph Martino, and I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. Today, more and more student-athletes are bypassing college and heading straight to the pros. Matt Bush, Freddie Adu, LeBron James. Discuss the benefits and pitfalls of going pro on the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks provides straightforward, no-nonsense talk about the current and sometimes controversial topics facing student-athletes and their parents today. Agents want to make money. Schools want the publicity. The Sport Mavericks wants what's best for you. So whether you or your child is thinking about bypassing college or looking for the best university to showcase their talents, listen to the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks, smart talk for parents and athletes. My name is John Jensen, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This is voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now once again, here's Marty. Well, welcome back, and today we're speaking with Chris Winston 
from the Korean American Adoptee Adoptive Family Network. It's a mouthful there, but it's very important work she's doing. Next week, Jean Nelson Erickson is um, the author of How to Adopt Internationally will be sharing with us her own open adoption experience overseas. That should be very interesting, too. So do tune in next week. Um, uh, we'll be speaking at 9 a.m. Pacific and 9 p.m. again Pacific time, and you can allow the time difference for the East Coast um, or worldwide. Um, Chris, when we left, we were discussing a little bit more about um, uh, the, the conference coming up in, in um, July 22nd to 24th. Um, your seventh annual conference, too. Again, let's give that website out where people can find out more about that conference. Okay, it's uh, comconference.com. If you go there right now, you're going to see last year's schedule. But actually, that's good for you to get a look at what it's like. And the new schedule will be up there and ready for registrations in January. Okay, and that is K-A-A-N. Uh, that's K-A-A-N-conference.com. Very good, .com. Okay, super. And that's in addition to our other website, uh, connet.com. Okay, and we've got that too. Now, I know I want to discuss, the one thing I want to discuss is that we have some, some people that were adopted that have closed records. They have no idea uh, who their birth parents are. How, how do we work with, with, um, to help people through a closed adoption um, with your organization? What do you suggest? And I know that they can be very, very successful and very connected to a lot of other Korean children and adoptees, I should say, that are older now. Tell me how we can help um, people coming out of closed adoptions. Um, well, you know, it, it's becoming possible to find birth families in Korea. And, in fact, my daughter is connected to her birth family. Mm. Even though um, from her records you would not have expected us to be able to find anything. Uh, in the early years, a lot of times they wrote um, down, um, you know, unwed single mother, dated the father but broke up before the child was born. I mean, so many of us have exactly the same story. Mm. And that facilitated placement because of INS regulations about uh, what can constitutes an orphan? So that really, was, some of that was not true at all. Then, which is much of it, mm-hmm. much much of it, and so that's kind of frustrating because if you've told your child the wrong story for years, and then they find out, as my daughter did, that she comes from an intact birth family mm-hmm. who wanted to keep her. Um, so those are all kinds of issues that come up. But search search is possible, and the first place to start is, of course, with your adoption agency. If your American adoption agency is still functional, um, which unfortunately for some of us it's not, but if it is, you can work through your agency and request um, a search, and many times they'll be able to help you. And if they can, even though you have records that sound like you have no information, Sometimes the information actually still is there. Because there's agencies, you said during the break we were talking about, there's four agencies in Korea. That's right. You can start with your American agency if it's still functional. If not, it's okay to go directly to Korea. And you can look on our website under Birth Family Search, and you can get the contact information for those four agencies. Now, if you don't know which Korean agency, I mean, many of us do because we got the paperwork that came through the American agency, so we know which Korean agency to contact. Some people whose parents, for for whatever reason, their adult adoptees don't have well-kept documents, they can contact the Adoption Information Center in Korea to try to determine which of the four Korean agencies. They can find that all on your website. That's right. And once they connect with the Korean agency, they'll go as far as they can. You have to keep in mind that um, that's still not their primary focus. Their primary focus is placing children for adoption, and sometimes it takes a lot of effort to do search. I think patience and, and being very polite, realizing that they could say no, so 
people. Well, that's true, but I think when you finally get to that end, we work with an organization called INCOS, which is International Korean Adoptee Services. It's run by a Korean social worker who comes from a family of social workers in Korea with good connections into the orphanages. And she's been pretty successful in searching uh, in some cases where there really wasn't even information to be uncovered within the agencies. And so you can you can get the contact information for them off their, our website too. And that's what I would recommend as the next step. And if there ends up being nothing, Incas can help you get on TV in Korea. And believe it or not, there are folks who've gone on with nothing other than the location where they were found, and that has resulted in a successful search. If, you know, somebody knows about that situation and sees them. On the program's called Achimadang on uh, KBS, and so many, it, there aren't as many competing programs on TV there, so there's a good chance of someone seeing it. And in fact, that is how we found our daughter's birth family, before I was off the air. Wow, that's amazing! Before you're off the air, and you know that's that's a whole other program right there because that's fascinating to find out too. And that you weren't really threatened by that either by her searching. Uh, no, well, actually, we did it for her because she was very, and this is somewhat controversial, but she was very stuck around the age of twelve, mm -hmm. and um, had a lot of emotional distress around not knowing, and mm -hmm. uh, just felt like she needed to know. Did and it help? Oh, absolutely did help, and um, that isn't to say it's like any kind of panacea. It was an emotional roller coaster, and we did need uh, psychological support, and I do recommend people have lots of counseling and support, and we worked with a Korean-American psychologist who now translates the letters between her and her birth family, and she's uh, 17 now, so it, it's, um, you know, it's, it's gone on fine for her. Um, you don't ever want to usurp that. I think there really has to be a clear emotional need. I wouldn't recommend parents just going and looking for their children's birth parents. And, you know, it needs... Have some help and assistance from professionals, too. Right. That's important, too. You know, and I, and I want to respect her privacy on there. How, what are we doing right now for the secrecy around adoptions? What what in the community... community um, um, are they getting away from secret? They're trying to get more information before children are brought over and adopted. It, it really does seem to be that way. And one really wonderful thing, I was just in Korea this summer, and I met the president of Volt Korea, and he was showing their record-keeping system. Mm -hmm. You know, it was bad before. People wouldn't keep records more than five years, and adoptees would be told there was a fire and they were destroyed at the hospital or wherever they were. And now he he showed us this false area that's fireproofed, and um, I do think they're doing a, a much better job of trying to keep accurate records safely. And he said they're going to be kept permanently. Mm -hmm. um, they're not going to say, you know, after 15 years we're not going to keep these. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help those from the past, but I hope it will help those for the future. And, and I do think, um, you know, Korea itself is still... Um, maybe more like America in the 50s. It's not, um, it's not going to be that open. But at least descriptively, we need to know about those families. When all you get is one line, I mean, or, and I, personally, I keep wanting people to include photographs because I think that um, it, it isn't so identifying, really. Um, that's so meaningful the number of adoptees who would like to have just a photograph. Just a photograph. And how about documentation? What, what have you found to be important for documents that are important other than photographs? 
Um, I think just getting taking accurate intake records at the you know when when someone comes into a hospital or something. I mean, we need to know medical background. We need to know a family history. Uh, none of that was even ever thought important and before. And so those are the kinds of things you know that we're advocating for. Uh, a way for people to know that it's okay to contact. You know, if the records are kept and the birth family wants to contact, that, that request should be passed on. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes in the past they were just discouraged. Uh, we just would like to see an evolution and even open adoption from Korea is not very prevalent, but it actually has occurred in a few cases. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, we want any kind of a document, the family record, um, medical records, all of those things to be kept. Like any other adoption, I think it's real crucial to have that information too. Right. How do you find a qualified adoption professional that has worked with the country? Just some tips on on what you would recommend as far as checking out the organization um, because people are talking about doing independent um, international adoptions some while trying to work with an agency or um, an in-between person. What do you recommend? Um, well, as far as Korea goes, independent adoption is not allowed. Okay. So you have to work with one of the four Korean agencies, and you don't work directly with them. They have contracts in each state. If you go on our website and adopting from Korea is the toolbar, you'll see um, you can link to another site that has a list of all the different states and which agencies work with them. So as far as Korea goes... That's a simple, quick, clear cut then. It is, and, and and it's, you know, there's not corruption in terms of it's been going on for, for a lot of years, and... Um, it, it, it's pretty similar from agency to agency. Probably that you're going to see a difference maybe in some fees and maybe in the wait time and certainly in post-placement services. But far, as far as worrying about somebody being, um, you know, a facilitator that you can't trust or anything like that, that doesn't happen with Korean adoption. Well, great. So they can just go there. Your website, again, is kaan.org? Um, it's K-A-A-N-E-T. Dot com. Okay, dot com. Okay, we've got that too. Chris, any last minute um, information you'd like to share um, with with anybody as far as um, adopting from Korea about um, if they are adoptees from Korea or even um, considering? Well, I, I think you need to look at where you live. You need to look at the diversity. You need to look at your willingness to make more than a cursory commitment to learning about your child's um, ethnic heritage, uh, you have to realize that you're not only adopting a child, you're adopting a country. Mm-hmm. And be willing to do that. And I think that's a big commitment. I, I'm a real advocate of education. That's why we have this program to let people know about um, adoption and really go through with this and look at it as a lifetime commitment and not just, uh, like you said, just a signature on there. This is a child you're bringing into your family and you want to offer them everything you can for a full and fulfilling life um, for them and for you and for everyone involved. Chris, thank you so much for being on our program. We have appreciated so much. And anybody interested, please visit her website. Email us at info at letstalkadoption.com for more information. And we appreciate your time and dedication to what you're doing for the Korean adoptees. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye now. When we Bye. come back, we'll be right back with our adoption mailbag and Luann right after this message.
Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. This is Dr. Pat Basile, and I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Every Thursday at 2 p.m., join Dr. Tom Rook for the Triangle of Health, an exhilarating new program that will present exciting topics, inspirational guests, and factual information based on the latest hard science. So tune in and get your weekly checkup with Dr. Tom and the Triangle of Health every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, right here on America's Voice, VoiceAmerica.com. Financial planning is more than money. It's exploring ways to use your money to make a life instead of your life to make money. It's helping you live life by choice instead of by chance. Tune in to Voice America every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time for Planning for Life with Stephen Shagrin, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. On the show, we will discuss your lifestyle and the transitions that you face. Stephen will also talk about personal issues and their related financial implications. Find the balance between family and work and money and meaning. Listen to Planning for Life with Stephen Shagrin every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time right here on voiceamerica.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. My name is Andrew Sloss, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This is voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty. Well, welcome back. And uh, we have our adoption mailbag. Quite a few questions have come in through the week, and adopt, uh, adoption questions are always important to all of us. Luann, you have some questions here we'd like to answer today, so go ahead and we'll start with number one. Okay, our first question is from Debbie in London, England. She asks, my aunt wants to adopt me. How do we go about it? 
Well, we did go to Gerald Bowman, and he is an international um, adoption professional uh, social worker, and he answered this question for us. In order for you to adopt your niece, you will need to have the following. A court needs to be petitioned for guardianship. The biological mother and father have to be contacted, and they have to give up their rights as parents in order for the child to be eligible. If the biological parents have either um, had... Um, have had either their parental rights taken away or have given them up, the court would appoint you as a guardian. If the father has been absent, a reasonable, quote-unquote, search for him would be necessary in order to prove that he could not be found. And naturally, a home study would probably be necessary and suspect that a lawyer would need to be involved in this process also. So it's important that you look through that whole, um, that whole area there before you proceed and make sure everything is done legally in your country uh, to adopt your niece. And that is, is really very good in each, any country that you do. You need to contact an adoption professional that does this and check their background out and their references to be sure that you're dealing with a, um, a good adoption professional to help you adopt your um, niece. Um, okay, let's go on to the next question. Our next question is from Nora in Arizona who asks, how old must you be to adopt? Basically, in most states, it's 18 years old. In other states, it's 21 years old. So what you want to do is, again, contact um, an adoption attorney in your area that is qualified to do adoption work and find out how old you must be. Um, adoptions can be expensive, um, so you want to make sure you have money set aside for it and also um, that you're prepared for this. At a very young, young age, it's very difficult to uh, put aside everything and become a parent. Uh, many of the birth parents that are um, choosing adoption for their children are doing it because they are very young in age. So it's important you have um, good recommendation in your state in Arizona and check and see, I believe it's 18 in Arizona. And the next one, Luann. Okay, the next one is from Maria in New York who asks, how does a grandparent go about adopting a grandson if she already has guardianship? Um, we did talk to Aaron Britt Van, a New York adoption attorney, and he answered, I can only answer generally as not that all the facts are available to me, and that's really true of any of these questions. Again, most of the time, 99% of the time, we're going to recommend you contact an adoption professional in your community. Uh, a guardian can petition for adoption, though it may be necessary to give notice to the birth parents if directed by court. Essentially, it can be you can seek um, to adopt their grandchild if you go through these, this process. Please contact a local adoption attorney to assist you. So again, most of these, when you want to adopt um, a family member, um, you've got to go through the, the local channels. It is not like it was 100 years ago where you can just take a child into your home. And this is important for medical reasons and also for education. And uh, that the child is protected. If anything should happen to you, um, they become your heir. And it's very important that they have um, their name legally changed um, and that type of thing. So uh, adoption professional attorney or adoption agency in your community will be able to help you. And you can find any of those on the Internet by searching for your town. Or you can also just pick up your telephone book and look under adoption law and um, find more information that can help you in that area. So I hope that helps you. And I think uh, you've got a couple more here. I do, and these two questions are essentially the same. Okay. The first one is from Eduardo from Portugal who asks, we want to adopt a Caucasian child up to two years old. There aren't any national, international private agencies in Portugal, and domestic adoption is too long. Where can I get a list of facilitators to help me in the adoption process? I already have a home study in Portugal. And then patients from California ask, where can I get a list of agencies that work with international teenage adoptions? Well, that's great. The answer to both your questions comes from Gerald Bowman again, and he sent us a partial list of overseas adoption facilitators, and um, these are adoption professionals that will work with you. And the list goes on. We have um, quite a few people on this list. Um, 
that I would like to send to you. So if you're interested, please email us at info at letstalkadoption.com. Put in the subject line, International Adoption um, Professionals, and what we'll do is we'll send you that list over to you because we have a whole list here of websites, contact numbers, and phone numbers, and we'd be happy to share those with you. So do send that over. Be sure to mention in the subject line what you're looking for, too. And I think we have time for probably one more, Luann. Okay, the next question is from Mark in Florida who asks, I'd like to find my birth mother. I was born in Marquette, Michigan. Can you help? The answer is um, listen to the archive show with um, Andy Thomas. Um, you'll find it on our website under adoptees. Also, Michigan offers a state reunion uh, registry at um, michigan.gov forward slash FIA. Um, you can begin your search there safely and effectively. There are many sites. There are some support groups also. Always be careful when doing your search online that you don't give too much information. Don't give Social Security numbers out and be very careful with birth dates. Um, you want to make sure you're dealing with legitimate people and um, that you're not giving some um, identity out um, to general public they can read. So you have to be very careful. So going with a legitimate organization and also speaking to other people in the search process um, can help you on how to go about that, too. So I hope that helps. And if you have one more um, question on that, Luann, I think we have time for one more. That was Okay, it. Jennifer from Kentucky asks, I have a reluctant spouse, and I would like some advice on how I can help him to see that adoption is right for us. We already have two children, and I really want to adopt another child. Well, Jennifer, we did, chat, did a program on the reluctant um, spouse, and it would be important to go back and listen to that program on Let's Talk Adoption uh, again on that program. But, you know, it's very important that your spouse be on board um, about equal to what you want uh, as far as adoption. And this would be a good time for you maybe to even sit down with a professional to seek out um, where you both are and what, um, what is the fear that um, comes up thinking about a third child. Is it finances? Is it responsibility? Is it something else going on, health, age? A lot of things can come into factor, uh, factor with that decision, and you do not want to go against that because it hurts the whole family. So to resolve this, you really need to go in and have a professional facilitate um, so you can put this odd on the table, help you communicate with each other better, and see where he's coming from, too, so you can respect his needs and his requirements and, um, and help your family grow that way. And I think that would be your first step is to go ahead and speak with somebody familiar with adoption. And there are a lot of professionals um, online. If not in your community and you, um, you're in Kentucky, um, you can go ahead and contact um, the Let's Talk Adoption site. We have Marlou Russell, and many times they will discuss this on the phone if your husband's willing to do that. But I think that's probably your first bet. And also um, being loving and respectful of his feelings at this point, but also you know coming to a resolve with both of you would be really helpful. Luann, thank you so much for your time with the show, and I want to um, share with you that that's the end of our week, weekly mailbag, and um, remember that our show is broadcast every Tuesday at 9 a.m. and then 9 p.m. Pacific again, and again 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern. So it's important to listen to our shows. We get lots of information that will help you with your adoption, whether you're a post or place uh, placement adoption or adoptee or adoption professional. Our program and guest information is listed on our site at letstalkadoption.com. Sign up for our free newsletter and Let's Talk Adoption reminder email. It will tell you about our upcoming shows and programs and information we have going. Thank you for joining us during this last hour. I hope you found the show to be informative and helpful. Until next week, this is Marty Caldwell with Let's Talk Adoption. God bless you. Have a great week, and I'll see you next week. Just sitting around on a fine, fine day. You've been listening to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. Tune in again next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on voiceamerica.com.